When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The following is a presentation of Morning Drive Media. From the Knapsack Files Studios in Studio City, California, this is Spotlight Star Wars. I'm your host, Ken Knapsack, for another edition of the show in which I stare at the Star Wars toys in my room near my microphone and talk about the greatest saga ever told, the Star Wars. By the way, have you read the comic book version put out by Dark Horse a year and a half ago? Uh, called The Star Wars, which is based off uh, one of the original drafts of George Lucas's uh, New Hope, Star Wars Chapter 1, Adventures of Luke Starkiller, Journal of the Wills Part 1, Adventures of Luke Skywalker, Star Wars A New Hope, whatever the title was called. Uh, it is awesome. It is uh, awesome in a surreal way. It's not particularly good uh, in terms of story because it's George Lucas's early drafts. Not many scripts, by the way, are good on the early drafts, unless you count the Lost Phantom Menace first draft, which actually seems pretty damn good. So uh, do when I say it's not good, do not hold it uh, against George Lucas like I'm attacking the man. Uh, it is pretty spectacular and surreal to read the story and see things that appear later on, including uh, in the prequels. And when I discovered some of that stuff uh, years ago, you heard some of the things that were in the original drafts of Star Wars uh, that appeared in the prequels. And things pop in my head as examples are Naboo. Or Mace Windu, called Mace Windy at a time, and just some other concepts and stuff that were in the original drafts of Lucas's scripts. Um, Utapau, I believe, was uh, one of the planets he had kind of had back then as well, too. So to see it show up again in the prequels and to realize that, it's, it lessened my depression my prequel depression, it, it, it made me kind of think, well, you know what, this is a fully realized story from George. Now, it took me years, and I'm still in the process of, of quote-unquote, accepting the prequels. On Jedi Alliance, we have done some shows uh, where we have uh, tried to put positive spins on the prequels or find things in them to celebrate, or the episode we did with Joseph Scrimshaw where we just simply defended the prequels. Um, I notice, and I've mentioned this on Jedi Alliance, and it seems now, it seems like people are just... Certain people, and, and I'm not going to put it into age groups, just certain people uh, don't want to hear the prequels bashed. They they like them for what they are, and I can get that. It seems like uh, that's what we do in America or just pop culture in general, I should say, not to generalize it to a, a country. We lift something up. Every generation throws a hero up a pop chart, and then they tear it down, and we tear it down, and we destroy it, and then suddenly... We build it back up. That's what happens, whether it's something they do to themselves to destroy themselves or then build themselves back up or a franchise or anything. It could be, in a weird way, that maybe that's what's happening with the prequels. 
I still think there's a bit of a generational push. I think if you were 10 in 1999 when The Phantom Menace came out and now you're in your mid-20s and maybe now you're in media and you got your own podcast or maybe you watch a Star Wars show and you love commenting or maybe you... Uh, Maybe you're an actor now. Maybe you got uh, you're somewhere in this industry, uh, or maybe you're not. It doesn't matter what you do. Maybe by the time you're in your mid twenties and you're hearing old jerks like me bash the prequels, you're saying, "Yeah, maybe they were a little bad, but they're my movies, and I can, I can understand that, and I'm starting to respect that concept more." Plus, I kind of feel a little relieved because, yes, I hated the prequels too. Uh, especially The Phantom Menace, and though not initially, but especially Attack of the Clones. Sith, I, I said at the time, I actually made a controversial, controversial statement to my friends, because back then I didn't have a podcast where I would have said it and been lambasted, but I actually said at one point, I think I might watch Revenge of the Sith going forward more times than Return of the Jedi. Uh, yeah, I know. Hate mail. Send it to me. Tweet me at Ken Absock uh, to say uh, how crazy I am. Um, but even back then... There was things I secretly liked. So maybe in my group of friends, I'd say bad things about the prequels. Uh, but in my head, I'm thinking, but I do like that one part. And the last 30 minutes of Sith are pretty good. And Ewan McGregor, give the guy credit. Little things like that are popping up. So now, I will confess, in this age of, well, not a sweeping acceptance of the prequels, but in this age where it's okay to say, all right, the prequels weren't that good, but I like this, I feel relieved that I can finally say some of the things to you all. So if you like something in the prequels, we've talked about this on Jedi Alliance before, um, but if you like something of the prequels, tweet, tweet me after listening to this episode, at Catnapsock, and let me know something you like about the prequels. If you completely hate them still, I understand. I understand. I've been talking a lot about Game of Thrones lately because the show is back. Uh, if you're listening to this uh, uh, before April 12th, the show is coming back. If you're listening to it after, it has been back. And um, there's no secret that I love Game of Thrones, uh, the world of Ice and Fire, and a song of Ice and Fire, and what George R. R. Martin has created. It's it's spectacular, and, and I'm now doing the Night is Dark podcast uh, with Ma Garrett and Tiffany Smith. You can find it here on the Knapsack Files feed. You can also find the video version on Geek Bomb uh, on their YouTube page. And some supplemental materials coming on Tiffany Smith's YouTube page. And there's and there's bigger things going with that show. I'm promoing the show, but I'm mentioning I'm talking about Game of Thrones. And on the first episode of The Night is Dark, we got heavily, or at least I did, because I'm going to do it anytime I mention Game of Thrones, I get heavy into the theories and the prophecies and sort of uh, what it boils down to predictions in a way about the series, whether it be in the books or on the TV show or both. And one of my, uh, well, I would call him a loyal listener now to Jedi Alliance and some of the other things through Schmoes Know and uh, Schmoes Know Podcast Network and everything, a guy by the name of Charlie Davis, I believe. I apologize if I got that wrong, but I do know Charlie is a name. I should do recently. I do this show on the fly if you haven't picked that up. Charlie tweeted me after listening to The Night is Dark that, hey, Ken, you, you, there's some inconsistency in you and you as a man. Well, he didn't mean it that deep, but there's in, some inconsistency in your fandom of these two properties. When it comes to Star Wars, do you seem to skew aside or skew from um, or askew? I love using words that I don't really fully understand. I, I shy away from 
predicting in Star Wars and speculation. I don't want to know anything about Star Wars Episode Seven: The Force Awakens. And I don't go into it on Jedi Lions even. Uh, we did a little bit. We did an episode recently about it. We talked about uh, The Force Awakens with John uh, Roca. But uh, he said, hey, man, you don't do it there in Star Wars. But when it comes to Game of Thrones, you're speculating away. You know, Charlie, you're right. But there's a big difference, and I tried to explain it on Twitter. But I wanted this episode to maybe explain it a little bit. But then also, I was going to have a little fun and speculate here about The Force Awakens. There's a difference to me when it comes to Game of Thrones and A Song of Ice and Fire because there's so much stuff in those books and shows and supplemental material that is there for the fans to discover, and it's part of the fun. Do I want to be spoiled? I haven't read much about Season 5 of Game of Thrones because I, I don't want to know concrete evidence. I just don't. Um, I, I want to find out – I want to experience the show as best I can even as a book reader from a book point, of view, point of view of a book reader. Uh, I don't fully know what the producers of, the, of Game of Thrones have in store for the season. They change things all the time. They have to. It's a amazingly deep source material. They're going to have to cut some things and squish things together and all that stuff. So I don't know a lot about season five. I don't know what they, they're doing. So I don't want that to be, quote, spoiled. But as a Game of Thrones fan and a Song of Ice of Fire fan, I love to dig into the prophecies and put out theories. And some of them are crazy and some of them have a little bit of truth and some of them you can kind of predict as they're coming along. That is part of the fun. I believe – excuse me. I, I believe that is what um, George R. R. Martin kind of intended with some of the stuff, all right? R plus L equals J. It is laid out there in some of the first few chapters of the first book of Game of Thrones. It's part of the fun. It's part of what I love digging into. Star Wars, it doesn't have that stuff there. And so what you have, and maybe there's some stuff, and I'm not talking about expanded universe, but if you look back at episodes four, five, and six, and then go to episodes one, two, and three, whether you like them or not, uh, whether you like the Ewoks or not, and if you read the novelizations or you read the comic books or you read the supplemental material, you play the video games, whatever you want to do, you're not going to find stuff interwoven into descriptions, dialogue, dreams characters have, things characters say to other characters, songs, all right? A lot of stuff. There's a character in the in the book a version of Game of Thrones, uh, A Song of Ice and Fire, that uh, is called uh, Patchface. He's a fool for Stannis Baratheon. He sings songs. Many believe his songs have clues to things that happen in the show. Sometimes maybe that's digging too deep. It's Paul is dead, summer 69 with the Beatles. It is, it is trying to dig too deep in something that might not be there. But that's part of the fun. Star Wars doesn't have that. So the difference to me is when you're talking about Star Wars Episode 7, it is full-on speculation, prediction, which, yes, is fun. And do not, do not think that I have not had those conversations with some friends off-air about what it is. I just don't like to focus on it. I don't need to prove that I'm right about it. I don't need to know if you're right about it. I don't need to know if you're wrong about it. I want to go into Episode 7 with as little bit of knowledge as possible so that I can uh, enjoy it 
uh, as truly as I see it for the first time. Now, will I will say this. Uh, Disney Lucasfilm is now releasing, what is it, 20 books. I've talked about it here, including the sticker book. They're releasing 20 books called The Journey to or Force Awakens. And I'm sure there's going to be some stuff in there. There's going to be some clues. So I will correct myself and say there a little bit. There might be some room for speculation. And if it's there, if I read the Star Wars Aftermath novel and there's something in it, you damn well better believe I'll discuss it. And you damn well better believe I will call Christian Harloff on the phone and we will discuss what we think that means for Kylo Ren or Ray or Finn and Finn and, or, or Poe Dameron or C3PO. I, I, that very well could be some of that stuff in uh, the material going forward that leads up to Force Awakens. I, I know they've even said uh, some of it will will factor in. When the show Rebels featured Ezra infiltrating the uh, Imperial Academy and there was the, uh, the character there that may very well – he or his sister or he and his sister may very well lead to have something to do with John Boyega's character in Force Awakens. I rolled up my sleeves. I appeared on the AfterBuzz TV, uh, After TV Rebels show that night with Maude Garrett for that particular episode. We broke that down. Um, and on Jedi Lines, I mentioned it too and, and very much off air that that's fun. That was fun. What do those characters have to do with John Boyega? potentially in Force Awakens to that character, Finn. Uh, what does that have to do with the Inquisitor? And I rolled in my sleeves and I speculated it away. But after, other than that, I don't look at the scripts or leaked scenes. I don't look at any uh, leaked uh, artwork or concept art or, or, or character designs. I, I've seen a few of them, and I'm trying to erase them from my mind because that just turns into just boring speculation. That said, let's speculate. What do I think is going to happen in The Force Awakens? Should I make my predictions? Yeah, I think Han's going to die. Uh, I, I'm one of those people that believes Harrison Ford would not have come back if um, if he didn't have a, a, a way to send off Han Solo properly, as I say, a proper Viking burial. Um, I think it's going to happen here. It, it's a safe bet. It's a safer bet to say it happens in at least eight. I don't think Han uh, lasts the whole series. I don't think Carrie Fisher as Princess Leia lasts the whole series. I I don't even know if Chewbacca will, only because of uh, Peter Mayhew's health problems, even though he seems to have got that knee surgery and has recovered enough to be in Episode 7, which is great, by the way. Um, we know in the expanded universe, Chewbacca dies. So could they copy that for this, uh, the canonized expansion of the universe? Uh, very much a possibility. I, though, do believe... Luke Skywalker will be around for these three episodes, though I could accept the fact that he'd be a Force ghost at some point. It would be bittersweet, maybe, but it, in a way it would be just downright kind of cool that the circle would be complete, that we'd have Mark Hamill appearing as a Force ghost to a uh, another protagonist. Um, I could very well see that, and like I said, it's it'd be kind of cool. Not that I want to see Luke die or celebrate the fact that Luke would die, but it, in a weird way, to see Mark Hamill with a big beard and a cloak and a ghostly image, uh, ghostly hue around him, I, I think that would be kind of awesome to see, and would it would make sense story wise, and it'd be be kind of fun to see. Uh, I I think uh, I, I I think you're going to see the rise of a 
bigger baddie, an enemy, whether it's Kylo Ren or not, I think someone is going to be the bad guy and it's a character that we haven't seen before. And that's what I also would would like. Do I want to see the Emperor back in some form? No, I don't. And I love the Emperor. I love Ian McDiarmid's portrayal of the Emperor. Uh, I think anyone who's watched Jedi Alliance knows I don't think I can go through one episode without doing some kind of poor impersonation of the Emperor. Um, I just I love everything about it. He chews up scenery, and it's and it's a great performance, and and, and it's a great character. Do I want to see him in Episode Seven? No, unless you do something with the Emperor that's from a holocrone, holocrone, holocrone recording device with a little history attached. If you can give me that, maybe it's Kylo Ren uh, who's digging through the annals of the Siths of the path, past. If, if he does that and there's a little thing of, of uh, the Emperor coming out and uh, some recording from the past saying, hey, here's some, uh, here's some rules on how to be a good Sith, I would totally be down with that. I don't want to see the Emperor involved in some kind of really, truly active capacity where he's returned. He's a clone and all that kind of things. Uh, the Shadows of the Empire stuff are all those comics that brought him back in some kind of uh, capacity. I don't want to see that. It gets kind of into uh, – it takes, it takes things into kind of a unintentional comedy realm. For me, that's me. Maybe some of you want to see that. The, the Darth Plagueis? Do we want to see Darth Plagueis? Christian Harloff's precious Darth Plagueis? Well, I like Darth Plagueis too. I have that book, book too, and I think it's a, one of my favorite Star Wars reads. Highly recommended by James Lucino. Do I want to see Darth Plagueis in Star Wars Episode Seven? No, I don't actually. In the same way uh, with the Emperor. If he comes up in some kind of uh, video to the past, uh, some kind of history book or some kind of history video... Uh, I'll be okay with that. But I don't want to see some sort of resurrected Darth Plagueis. Now, Plagueis, of course, the out is he potentially mastered the art of defeating death. Palpatine kills him. Palpatine basically says that in Revenge of the Sith, though he doesn't say it's him. By the way, going back to my stuff up top, that is one of my favorite moments and always has been of the prequels. Is Palpatine addressing Anakin while watching the uh, the uh, Mon Calamari opera? I've said it before, and I'll say it again. That is great, great stuff, great scene. Love how it was handled, and I, I feel relieved that I can actually say that now. Um, do I uh, do I think that Plagueis will be uh, uh, resurrected in some way or still alive? I don't. I don't think that. I don't think they're going to go that far. But I love the idea, and I know it's been put out there through alleged links or concept art and all those kind of spoilers, but I do love the idea. If we're just talking purely speculation, I love the idea that the bad guy in this movie, we believe to be Kylo Ren only because he has a red lightsaber. We don't know. We don't know the path of that character. But I I love, I love the idea that actually... Um, the bad guy's learning how to be a bad guy in this one. And maybe he's not fully bad. Is it a solo kit? Is it a Skywalker offspring? I, I like the idea that our bad guy in Episode 7 is learning how to be the big baddie. And then 8 and then 9, it's all about defeating that bad guy. 
Is there other apprentices along the way? I'd be totally cool with that. We don't we don't fully know who on this on this character was. We don't know what Lupita Nyong'o's doing. We don't know what Gwendolyn Christie's doing. We don't know what Max von Sydow is doing. I don't think he's the bad guy by episode nine, but we don't know. Circus, we don't know. Is Circus Plagueis? That's a good bet. We don't know, though. Point of the speculation, I know. But what I'm saying is give me those bad guys from the past, but only in that capacity here now. One interesting question to me that I have, I'm asking myself questions here on Spotlight Star Wars because it's late at night and I'm in my room drinking uh, some water with lemon. I hate to disappoint you. Mmm. That's good lemon. No whiskey tonight, kids. Who is the hero? Who's the protagonist long term? It's definitely not Han, Leia, Chewie, or, or Luke. That's just that's not the way it's going to work. I think we all can accept that. Long term. Is it Ray? Is it Poe Dameron? Is it Finn? I think it's going to be Finn. I think he's going to turn. I think that thing with him being a stormtrooper, I don't think he's infiltrating. I think he is a new stormtrooper. Might be force sensitive. I think he's that stuff on Tatooine. I think it it all ties together. And I think you're going to see him become the man that saves the day. Maybe he is um, force sensitive, like I said. Maybe he becomes connected with Luke Skywalker. Maybe Ray is the one that takes him there. I, I think Poe Dameron is not going to be someone with force capabilities. I think Poe Dameron is going to be kind of, a, well, I don't want to say the new wedge, but uh, he's going to be kind of the, uh, uh, the military guy of the series. He's flying that X-Wing. Uh, I like that there. But I think Finn, John Boyega's character, I think he's is part of the key to the story. Long term, I think by the end of nine, he's the one raising his hands in victory. Not to say that the character of Ray doesn't have that ability to be the big hero uh, and be alongside. Now, here's a thought. Maybe this. Maybe the big bad guy ends up becoming Lupita Nyong'o or Gwendolyn Christie. And maybe Ray becomes the big hero. And maybe by episode nine, the final battle is Gwendolyn Christie versus Daisy Ridley. Imagine that. If Star Wars episode nine, The Force is Still Awake, ends with two women with lightsabers in their hands fighting to save the galaxy. I would like that. Might cause some raves Rays? I was going to say rays. Might call, might call some waves. But it'd be interesting, huh? Are you with me on that? Would you have fun with that? Could you imagine that the Star Wars Episode 7, which started with casting news that turned into a big gender equality issue? Understandably. Imagine if it ends, if Episode 9... It's Gwendolyn Christie and Lupita Nyong'o versus Daisy Ridley. Lightsabers in their hands. I'd be on board. I'd love it. I'd love it. I still think it's going to be Finn, though. I think you're going to have Finn standing tall in the end. And I... I think... Is Adam Driver, Kylo Ren, is that character going to be standing as the big baddie at the end? I don't know. I don't know. 
I do love the idea that The Force Awakens is, is about the Force. The light side and the dark as the trailer, which was so excellent. Every once in a while, I just put on that teaser trailer for Star Wars Episode Seven, and I get excited. And I, I know the next one's coming. And I'll be excited for it, and I hope it's great, and I hope I'm raving about it, and I hope I'm, I'm breaking, breaking that new trailer down with you guys. But man, if you were to tell me that this teaser trailer, the one that we've got already, is the only thing that I would see until December 18th, 2015, I would be 100% fine with that. I mean that honestly. I don't need to see any more than I've already seen. I've seen enough. I've seen enough, and I believe in it, and I'm behind it. Am I afraid? You will be. You will be. Am I afraid that the next trailer will show too much? Am I afraid that the next trailer will expose just a bit too much of bad things? You know, Jurassic World, I'm not a Jurassic Park fan. It's not my franchise, but it's, it's great stuff, and I do enjoy the ride at Universal Studios. But uh, I lo uh, the first Jurassic Park is 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 is, is, is what it is. It, it's a great movie, um, but it's not my franchise, and I know it is for others. But the, but the stuff going on with Jurassic World doesn't look that great. There's something about it, and then that clip comes out, and it's just not hitting. Am I afraid that that might happen with Episode Seven with the next trailer? You damn well better believe I'm afraid. So. Maybe that's why I want the teaser to be the only thing in December, until December 18th. And there's a little bit of faith issue. Said it before, say it again. Phantom Menace, the trailer for Phantom Menace, which uh, was famously in front of Meet Joe Black. The teaser and then the full theatrical, or the full, the full trailer after that were two of the best things. And I go back to those moments as a Star Wars fan. I remember... I had to rewind the VHS tape, that's right, recorded it off of TV, and I would just watch it over and over. I had the internet, but the internet took like four hours to download that clip. And I'd just rewind it, me and my, my roommates at the time, we'd sit around and we'd get excited, we'd yell, oh, that's, J that's Jabba the Hutt, and, and what is that What is that thing that Anakin's in? And it turns out it was a pod race machine, pod racer, but uh, we didn't know, we thought it was some ship, we don't, I mean, you don't know, and I loved it, and I love... I loved so much of those teaser trailers, and, and it was so well, and then we know what happens. Though we're supposed to accept them now. So, Star Wars Celebration's coming up. I will be there. It is my first celebration. I'm very excited. Um, I will miss the day that uh, we believe the trailer will be released. I'm not going to be there. I'm going to be coming back from Las Vegas, from Cauliflower Alley Club, the uh, Pro Wrestling Alumni Association I'm part of. Um, so I'll miss the trailer, but I will uh, probably most certainly see it on the internet uh, if it's, it hits that night, and I'm sure it will. Um, so we'll see. We'll see what the next one is, and then maybe I'll do some more speculating. That wasn't a lot of speculating. See, I'm, I'm afraid to dig deep. I will admit that. I will admit I'm afraid to dig deep and speculate and wonder and predict about Episode 7. I'm just, I'm trying so hard to just experience, experience it for what it is. That's what I want to do. I just want to, I just want to be in that theater. 20th Century Fox stuff, the fanfare won't come up, which is very weird. But 
I want to be there when a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away shimmers up on that screen. And I will yell and I will bellow and I will raise my hand in the air just like I did in May of 1999. And I'm hoping against all hope that when the stars appear on the screen and that crawl fades off. Number one, I hope that crawl had nothing about paperwork in it. When that crawl fades off into the sunset and the camera pans down from the stars to whatever our first shot is. I hope I get that feeling that this has worked. That's all we want as Star Wars fans. And I mentioned last week the problem with new. The problem with new is that we have filled in our brains, or most of us have. I definitely have. We have filled our brains with what we felt the Star Wars story went on to be whether it be through our action figures or daydreams or playground reenactments, we all have so many ideas of what Star Wars was and went. So that when these new things come out and fill in the blanks, it becomes disappointing. So part of the reason, to wrap it all up, part of the reason I will speculate and throw out theories to the end of time about Game, Game of Thrones is... It is designed for that. It was built on that. Star Wars isn't. It is built as just a saga played out in front of you. And I want to sit back and uh, go into that theater with as little in my mind as possible so that I do not have a problem with new. Star Wars Episode 7. Hits theaters December 18th, 2015. Where are you going to be? That is episode four of Spotlight Star Wars. I will be in Las Vegas this week, missing Jedi Alliance, if you're, watching, if you're listening to this prior to that episode. And I will be in Star Wars Celebration in Anaheim, my first one. Like I said, I'm so excited. There's so many people going to be down there. Um, and that means the next edition of Spotlight Star Wars could either, one, be delayed, but I am bringing some of my podcasting gear down to Anaheim, and I'm hoping, number one, that if a trailer was released, um, I will have seen it, um, which will be the case, but I'm hoping that we're going to be able to grab Christian Harloff and Mark Ellis of Schmoes No. We're going to sit in a hotel room, we're going to set up some microphones, and we are going to have a special extended edition of Spotlight Star Wars that will be all about Star Wars Celebration and that trailer. And I'm sure there will be some speculation. Spotlight Star Wars is part of the Knapsack Files podcast feed. You are listening to that now. If you're on iTunes, subscribe, rate, and review. We're, of course, also available on Stitcher and Podomatic. The Knapsack Files podcast feed also has shows like Alicia Malone's Film School, The Night is Dark, a Game of Thrones podcast with Tiffany Smith and Maude Garrett, and The Knapsack Files, the classic shows, the interviews with Life, Life, the Universe, and everything. Uh, And if you haven't, go back and listen to episode 60 with my friend Tom Connolly and hear all about his charity walk across America in an effort to raise money, funds, and awareness for Operation Gratitude. Go to Operation Gratitude on the internet Google search that one and you'll find the proper web address. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at GenNapsock, Instagram, and Periscope. I haven't done, haven't quite figured out 
how or if I even really want to continue live broadcasting from my phone. This great technology that we have now in our hands and we're just using it to video what we're doing when we're taking out the trash or eating at a fast food place. We'll get a hang of it, society. Don't worry about it. Those are all the places you can see me, follow me, talk to me. You can uh, find the Knapsack Files fan page. You can find the Ken Knapsack fan page on Facebook. Communicate with me. I will try to answer as many comments and questions as I get. Tell me, without spoiling things, what you think will happen in Star Wars Episode Seven. I'm Ken Knapsack. Until the next time, may that Force thing continue to be with you. <laughs>